Do we feel better or worse about Tiger Woods eventually coming back and playing golf competitively? Brooks Kepkin, and Bryson DeChambeau, that's turned into a spicy rivalry, but does it even approach some of the greatest golf rivalries of all time? Jordan Spieth, is he indeed the season's most compelling story? Also, the picks to win the U.S. Open just a couple of weeks in advance of the festivities at Torrey Pines. We have a lot to cover, and it is Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3, the only golf radio show in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. I'm Ken Levicka, indeed coming to you from the capital of golf, Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast, and we are jammed, including... Amongst all of those things I mentioned, Tiger, golf rivalries, Jordan Spieth, U.S. Open favorites right now. The U.S. Women's Open is at Olympic Club this weekend, and we'll get a full rundown plus a whole lot more, as always, with our golf insider, Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com. He comes up in about 15 minutes. Let's not waste any time, though, because we're going to bullet point this in our opening couple of moments of Honda Classic Live. The opening drive is brought to you by Tire Kingdom. And right now at Tire Kingdom, it's the summer savings event going on now. Get a MasterCard prepaid card for up to $100 when you buy four select tires and get them installed. Save big on all your brands like BF Goodrich, Continental, and more. Plus, use your Tire Kingdom credit card. You'll get a $50 prepaid card on qualifying purchases of $500 or more. Hey, AC free check and 10% off repairs in case you've noticed. Summer is here in South Florida. It is humid. It is disgusting. It is wildly hot. You need to make sure that AC is good to go. Stop by Tire Kingdom for a free AC check plus 10% off any required AC repair services if you stop by Tire Kingdom or schedule an appointment today. Brake check, always important. If your brakes are squeaking or your stopping distance has gotten a whole lot longer, it may be time for new brakes. So make an appointment at Tire Kingdom for a free brake check today. Going on now, save up to $50 after mail-in rebate when you purchase and install Napa brakes. Entire Kingdom is where, really, you get everything. It's all you need. Summer road trip season is here. Make sure your vehicle's ready to hit the open road, whether you need new tires or an oil change, new brakes, wiper blades, or an inspection. Schedule an appointment at Tire Kingdom. Their convenient hours and locations make it easy to get the services you need. They've always got great deals on the top tire brands. That's all at Tire Kingdom. TireKingdom.com. Schedule an appointment or stop by one of the many Tire Kingdom locations in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. Tiger Woods, Jupiter Island resident, finally speaking for the first time, and he exclusively sits down with Golf Digest to talk about his rehab, where he tells Daniel Rappaport, quote, it's more painful than anything I have experienced. So Tiger Woods' first official comments come three months after the leg injuries that he suffered in that crash right outside of Los Angeles. Uh, Lost consciousness, had to be uh, taken from his car, extracted from his automobile using the jaws of life. And Woods tells Golf Digest, quote, this has been an entirely different animal. I understand more of the rehab processes because of my past injuries, but this is more painful than anything I've ever experienced. Already, that's pretty notable considering that back injuries, typically, that's going to be the most painful thing that you ever experience when you're talking about 
pain, when you're talking about chronic pain. And uh, when you start to hear that, it's it's pretty jarring. Tiger told Golf Digest about uh, the right leg really being the focus of the uh, the rehab, and uh, also too the issues that he has with his tibia and his fibula in the right leg. And Tiger was asked about his hopes of playing golf again, and here is the quote from Tiger, and this I don't think bodes well. Quote. My physical therapy has been keeping me busy. I do my routines every day, and I'm focused on my number one goal right now, walking on my own, taking it one step at a time. Walking on my own. Nothing about being able to swing a club. Nothing about being able to putt. Absolutely nothing like that. Walking. The simple act of walking right now is really the focus of Tiger Woods after those gruesome leg injuries. Uh, and it, let's not let's not mince words. That seems really damaging for us ever seeing Tiger Woods again in a competitive setting. I mean, he's 45 years old. He was already recovering from yet another back procedure, his fifth back operation, and now he's got these gruesome leg injuries that he's trying to rehab. Tiger said that he's been visited by a whole lot of PGA Tour players. Justin Thomas, one of them. Rory McIlroy, one of them. Uh, And uh, Tiger Woods also went on to talk to Golf Digest about the Instagram photo that he posted shortly after the Masters where he's on crutches in a walking boot, but he's also smiling. And uh, he said that it's funny because in the photo, the crutches definitely make my shoulders look big. Maybe it's the workouts I've been doing. It's been nice having the ability to still stay strong and work out my upper body. I mean, he's jacked. He is still getting the workouts in. But unfortunately, that's not going to cut it if the legs aren't, uh, aren't there for him. Woods also saying, quote, it's been incredible the support I've received from around the world. I have had so much support from people both inside and outside of golf, which means so much. And it's helped me tremendously. If you recall, Tiger, after Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship, sent out a tweet that said, truly inspirational to see Phil Mickelson do it at 50 years of age. Congrats. So that's the latest on Tiger Woods. Right now, simply taking a step on his own, walking on his own. That is the priority. And uh, it's, listen, I don't want to throw a wet blanket on the potential for an amazing comeback. And we know that Tiger has done just unbelievable things, jaw-dropping things to find any sort of rational reality. But this sort of this sort of thing, when you hear Tiger emphasizing walking over ever getting back to golf, well then you start to get the sense that we may have seen the end of Tiger Woods. Truly, the 2019 Masters may have been the the end of Tiger Woods and competitive golf. It is Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3, and we are streaming at ESPNWestPalm.com and on the free ESPN app, Golf Rivalries. Because of the Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau tiff that has taken place. And to this, we also 
go to Golf Digest. And, uh, you know, there's rivalries in terms of play, but there's also rivalries in terms of guys just flat out not liking one another. And I think that there are a few that really stand out. Uh, let's go to Tiger and to Phil. I mean, Tiger and Phil, there was no love lost there. That is an absolute fact. Uh, I mean, those two, especially early in their careers, Phil was uh, a little bit of a renegade, uh, someone that uh, was a little bit of, I guess, the rock and roll equivalent of of golf i mean he he did things in an unconventional way he was cocky he said a lot of things that rubbed people the wrong way and uh tiger was the budding star tiger was the disciplined one tiger was the one that really he he was the standard and uh, there definitely was tension between the two even more so than I think we're seeing in what can sometimes be the cartoonish Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau rivalry. But let's check in with Rob Oler of the Columbus Dispatch because he had a couple that he thought were more extreme than Bryson and uh, Brooks Kepka. And he mentions Tiger and Phil, but also Paul Azinger and Sevi Ballesteros. Now, as the Columbus Dispatch and Rob Oler uh, document, Paul Azinger over the years has not really discussed the rivalry he had, the bad blood he had with Seve Ballesteros, likely to show respect to Seve Ballesteros after his passing due to brain cancer. But Azinger also says that everybody had a back and forth with Seve Ballesteros, suggesting that, yeah, uh, he was sometimes kind of difficult to get along with. Uh, if you recall at the 1989 Ryder Cup, uh, Seve told Azinger that he'd be changing out his damaged ball on the green, and uh, Azinger insisted the ball was okay. Two years later, Ballesteros turned the tables, and he charged Azinger and Chip Beck in the Ryder Cup of changing the type of ball they were using, a really hypocritical, and Azinger and Beck would go on to lose the match in the Ryder Cup. Seve also once said, quote, the American team has 11 nice guys and... Paul Azinger. So Paul Azinger and Seve Ballesteros, no love lost between them, at least at the time they were competitive. Then there's Gary Player and Tom Watson. And this one is absolutely ugly. Gary Player, the Jupiter resident. Uh, back in the early 80s, it was Tom Watson who accused Gary Player of fixing a spike mark, obviously against the rules. But 1983 Skins game, Watson said Player illegally moved a growing weed from behind his ball. Gary Player then retorted back that Watson should give back his Masters and British Open championships in 1977 because he won them while playing with non-conforming grooved irons. That wasn't discovered, if you can remember all the way uh, back to 77. That wasn't discovered until before the start of the PGA Championship that year, and there were no ramifications for Tom Watson. In Gary Player's book in 1991, To Be the Best, he said that Watson, quote, ranted that he was tired of me pulling up rooted leaves and tapping down spike marks like at the Canadian Open. Well, I resisted saying anything then, but I thought to myself, Tom, you aren't half the man. Watson, though, concurrently is said of Gary Player, he's a, quote, little man. So that one is still bad blood between those two, Tom Watson and Gary Player. And whether it is Tiger versus Phil or Azinger against Seve 
or player against Watson that seems to have a little bit more juice than Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. Honda Classic Live on a Saturday morning here on ESPN 106.3. Let's go to Global Golf Post. Ron Green Jr. making the case that Jordan Spieth is the season's most compelling story. Spieth only has one win this year, but he's been in contention three or four tournaments uh, his Sundays have failed him, uh, but Spieth is someone who is either on the uptick or he is just, uh, he's gotten himself back to playing presentable golf. We're not real sure if he's fully back, and Spieth has acknowledged he hates the term back, that you're back when you are winning tournaments, but the play is clearly better. Is Jordan Spieth still wildly inconsistent? Absolutely. Is he going to win a major? Don't know. Uh, but we are seeing him on the leaderboard, near the top of the leaderboard, week after week after week after week, and that is a vast change from what we uh, got from uh, Jordan Spieth over the last three, four years or so. So Jordan Spieth, according to Ron Green Jr., Global Golf Post, the season's most compelling story. I think Phil winning the PGA Championship and then the soap opera leading up to the PGA with the U.S. Open, that may be as compelling as Jordan Spieth, but Ron Green lays out a really good case, and you can catch that full article at globalgolfpost.com. And then as we wrap up our opening drive presented by Tire Kingdom, yeah, it's time to discuss the U.S. Open. We're just a couple of weeks away. Tory Pines and Golf Digest has its 13 picks to win the U.S. Open. At number 13, there is Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson at number 13, someone who we did not give any sort of chance to when he decided to take the exemption the special exemption to get into the U.S. Open, but now he's added a PGA Championship uh, in between the time of the ex- exemption and now. And does Tory Pines fit Phil Mickelson's game? No, not at all. Not a great matchup, but was Kiowa Island a good fit for Phil? No, you at least didn't think so, and he tamed that to win the PGA Championship. So Golf Digest has Phil Mickelson with the 13th best chance to win the U.S. Open. Then there's Will Zalatori, number 12, Jupiter's Rory McIlroy, who can't get out of his own way, but Golf Digest still has him as the 11th most likely option to win the U.S. Open. Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama comes in at 10. Xander Shoffley at number 9 in the top 10 of players that have a chance to win the U.S. Open. Justin Thomas at number eight. Patrick Reed comes in at number seven. Last year's PGA Championship winner, Colin Morikawa, the sixth best chance to win the U.S. Open. Dustin Johnson, the Masters champion in November. He has missed the cut now at the regularly scheduled April Masters and the PGA Championship. Him making the cut right now would be a success. Then there's Jordan Spieth, who Ryan Green Jr. of Global Golf Post says is the most compelling golf story this season. Then it's John Rahm, who we will ask about Rahm's chances when we talk to Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post. He is a big John Rahm guy, and the number one possibility to win the U.S. Open is Brooks Kepka. Kepka. U.S. Open, those are your top 13. Phils, Alatoris, Rory, Matsuyama, Shoffley, JT, Reed, Morikawa, Bryson, DJ, Spieth, Rahm, and number one, Kepka. And that'll do it for the opening drive here on 
Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. When we return, we will talk with Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com. He's our golf insider. U.S. Women's Open is underway, plus a whole lot more. Honda Classic Live, ESPN 106.3. The U.S. Women's Golf Open in intriguing full swing and... The greatest single-season performance we have seen in the women's college golf game of all time. And they're connected because, well, Sean Fairholm at Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com. He's about to talk about both of them as we welcome you back in to Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. I'm Ken Levick, and our golf insider is the man from Global Golf Post, Sean Fairholm. And he joins us now on this Saturday morning on ESPN 106.3. Sean, good morning. And uh, Uh, We talked a lot about Phil Mickelson and a lot about the PGA Championship last week. And uh, then in just a couple of weeks' time, we've got Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open. But this week, Olympic Club is the site of the U.S. Women's Golf Open. And already some intriguing storylines. What have you thought about the play so far? You know, Olympic Club is really a cool venue. Um, it's kind of cut into the side of a of a hill towards uh, down towards Lake Merced, and it's just a really awesome place for a golf tournament. Uh, I, I think it's a great leaderboard right now. We have Lexi Thompson, NB Park, some of the some of the best players to ever play the game. A few of them up near the top of the leaderboard. How about Meka Gane, the 17 year old from New Jersey, a Stanford commit who uh, who is the first amateur to lead a round since Jane Park about 15 years ago. So a lot of fantastic storylines developing. I think this is a, a week where the uh, where the women's golf world is going to, uh, to going to dominate the, the headlines, which is which is great to see. Yeah, you're right. It is an extremely uh, name heavy top of the leaderboard right now. Game, the the amateur. I, I, I mean, it's going to take a lot for her to hang in. But how has she been able to to be in the mix here early and have the lead after day one at Olympic Club? Yeah, 67 in, in round one. I think, you know, listening to her talk after she uh, shot that 67, it sounds like this golf course really kind of suits her well. Uh, it's really a place where uh, you have a lot of very narrow fairways. They did not uh, mow the, the rough recently, so it's uh, thick, thick rough. Uh, you really have to position yourself uh, very you know, very smartly around these uh, around these greens because there's uh, quite quite a lot of slope to some of these greens, and you, you really do not want to get short sighted. It seems like she has been able to uh, handle that better than just about anybody at this point. So, uh, yes, it will take a, a monumental effort for her to be able to uh, contend in this golf tournament. But what a sign for uh, for a player that young. Uh, she 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 made the semifinals of the U.S. Women's Amateur a couple of years ago. We, we we've seen this kind of coming for a little while, uh, but now nowadays in, in women's golf, especially, there are so many really young players who can contend right away. Uh, look at Yuko Sasso, uh, another a 19-year-old Filipino who was also up on the on the leaderboard. Uh, Patty Tavitanikit, who won the ANA Inspiration uh, a couple months ago, another really young. Uh, a fantastic player with a great personality. Uh, women's golf is in an excellent place, and the, the leaderboard is definitely displaying that this weekend. You know, it's funny. Lexi Thompson is by no means old by any stretch, but she feels like she's been around for an awful long time now. She is a veteran in every sense of the word. Uh, how would you assess her chances this weekend at the U.S. Women's Open? You know, she hasn't won since the 2019 ShopRite up in New Jersey, and she has four runner-up finishes since then. But you know what I really like about her mentality is that it seems like, you know, a couple of years ago she was really struggling with uh, with some of the media 
pressure. We, we, we've seen that in tennis recently with Osaka, uh, you know, just, just deciding not to not to play in the French Open. Uh, I think there there's a lot there's a lot of connections there to be made. I think you know Lexi Thompson right now. It seems like she's really just kind of enjoying the week. Uh, you know, one one quote that she had after her first round was that I, I've just been trying to enjoy myself more and really not have golf be life or death. And uh, I I really think that's a great a great mindset for her because she's really pressed uh, hard in, in the past and uh, for her to be able to just kind of let the game kind of come to her. Uh, I think, you know, she is uh, a top five talent in the world and there's no reason why she can't win this golf tournament. Uh, but for her, it's really, it's a more, more of a mental exercise than it is a physical one. You know, Lexi Thompson and her experiences and you referenced Naomi Osaka and what happened with the French Open. Uh, it does open up a lot of questions about the role of media in sports and athlete responsibility with the press in sports. And when you apply it to golf, I mean, this is a sport now that on the men's side, they're about to start rewarding players who do put themselves out there more that make an impact either on social media or make themselves visible uh i i just i can't imagine that it would be a good thing for individual players or for the sport as a whole to do what nami osaka did and i'm not saying that it is it is wrong nami osaka clearly uh, has things that she needs to sort out and uh, completely sympathetic to that but from a golf standpoint I just feel like that would be rare to find because I do think that there is this ingrained connection between the two, play the sport, but also there's the constant need to promote the sport. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, first things first, I always fully support anybody who wants to take a break for mental health reasons. Uh, I completely understand that. I, You know, being a journalist and having covered a lot of different sports, a lot of times I've kind of had the impression that athletes don't really fully uh, grasp the the relationship that media have. Um, in my opinion, you know, there are two things that really uh, pay, pay for, uh, for, you know, the you know, for, for these purses at golf tournaments, it's really the demand from fans and yep. it's the coverage from media. It's the TV, it's the writers, it's, uh, it's podcasters. It's all the, all the different attention. And uh, a lot of athletes kind of go into press conferences, like it's an obligation. You can kind of see it on their faces sometimes and that happens. But to me, it's, it's a part of the job where, uh, you know, people aren't just going to see Bryson DeChambeau hit a 370 yard drive. Uh, it's the coverage of that 370 yard drive. That's really drawn in the the money and where he's he's making his paychecks and i think there there should be more of a respect for the role the role that media play um but it is a very delicate balance uh, and there are times where they you know last weekend uh, two weeks two weekends ago at the pga phil nicholson had i think you know three interview requests uh, different sessions in one night and he, he had to end his session a little early the last one he got he got blamed for for doing that and uh, so it is a balance and i think uh, you know that the players need to make themselves available but uh, also you know there has to be more a little bit more of a balance in terms of uh, how often they're they're going to give themselves to the media here with sean Fairholm of global golf post and globalgolfpost.com uh we are talking u.s women's open also uh the the role of press with golf and uh, i also wanted to touch on something that you wrote this week at global golf post globalgolfpost.com and this is another example of why press 
is important, especially in the game of golf, because I would have not known about this without you writing. I would not known about the greatest single season that we have seen in women's college golf, and it happened at Stanford, and you had a great piece on this. If you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Rachel Heck, a, a freshman at Stanford, you know, was uh, only the third player ever to win her conference title, uh, an NCAA regional, and then go on to win uh, NCAA championship as an individual as well. Uh, only two other players ever have done that. Coincidentally, those two other players were also freshmen, so it's it's, it's funny that it works out that way. But Rachel Heck, really a, a fantastic story. Uh, you know, I've been I've been interviewing people, uh, especially golfers, for a really long time. One of the nicest human beings I've ever talked to. So empathetic. So just such a kind soul. And uh, you know, what really what really impresses me about her story is that uh, she's willing to uh, to go into the Air Force ROTC. Uh, she wakes up, you know, almost every day at four or five a.m. for ROTC. Uh, she wants a future career in the LPGA, but she also wants to uh, be a part of uh, be a part of the Air Force Reserves, and that may mean uh, getting deployed every once in a while while she is an LPGA player. But she says she's willing to to uh you know miss some majors to uh to miss some important tournaments to uh to really serve her country and uh you know what, what a great part of this is uh after she hit her tee shot on the on the first tee uh in the final round of the ncaa women's championship they uh you know the starter had announced uh a fallen service woman to that would be uh represented uh you know w- with uh rachel mm. for that day and uh rachel went over and, and asked the starter for that fallen service woman's name and i uh, wrote it on her uh, on her scorecard to remember uh you know that golf is just a game just someone who really keeps life in uh, in, in great and in, in golf in great perspective and and someone to root for someone who's who's playing well this week at the u.s women's open and everyone should really keep an eye on her moving forward and wise and mature behind uh beyond her years uh rachel heck from stanford uh, just an outstanding story a freshman at stanford and you can read all about her and her achievements global golf post globalgolfpost.com sean fairhome with the story and sean joins us every week here on espn 106.3 he's our golf insider on honda classic live and your uh, colleague ron green jr wrote a piece on global golf post as well this week is uh, saying that Jordan Spieth is the single most intriguing storyline so far of this uh, this golf season because he has made a comeback he is playing better golf uh, he only has one win to show for it but it seems like each week at the top of the leaderboard there he is at least with a chance going in to Sunday and he's certainly going to be a name to look at at Torrey Pines in a couple of weeks for the U.S. Open do you concur with Ron that Jordan Spieth is up there uh, as as one of the most if not the most intriguing storylines so far as a whole of this golf season I would say he's definitely the story of the year. And I would also say that the comeback is kind of the story of the year as well. We've, we've had a few other players who have kind of uh, come come back from uh, really some long slumps, both in the men's and women's game. But, you, you know, Jordan didn't didn't finish the job, uh, you know, last week at, at Colonial, losing to Jason Kokrak. But if you look at the stats, you know, he is number one right now in strokes gained for the season. Uh, so it's you know, by the stats, he is uh, he is the best player in the world so far this year. 
And uh, I know he only has that one win at, at the Valero Texas Open, but I think he really is kind of trending in a, uh, a fantastic direction. One quote he had recently was that, you know, he made 10,000 swings the wrong way, and now he's trying to, to undo a lot of the, the work that, uh, that had gone against him uh, in, in the previous few years while he's, while he's been struggling. So I don't think we've seen the best of him. And, uh, you know, there are still some, some struggles that he's going through, but, uh, you know, just the fact that he is basically contending every week. And it's no longer a surprise, Ken, to see him on the top of the leaderboard. Really, you know, at the beginning of this year, it was kind of a shock to see him at Phoenix and Pebble and some of these other places playing so well. Now now you kind of expect him to be in the top ten, and that's a, that's a good place for him to be and a good place for golf, too. We, uh, we, we missed him being a being a figure every you know week in and week out and i think he's going to be a uh, mainstay here for for a long time uh, i don't see this uh, really turning around i think jordan spieth is going to be a, a top five player in the world uh, pretty soon and you know he had said too that he hates saying that he's back and he hates it being uh, declared that he's back because he says i haven't done anything yet i haven't won a major i haven't played consistent enough i have the one win this year but that also shows that even through his struggles that demand to get back to what he was five six years ago that is still there and I feel like that's a very good sign it seems like the motivation is definitely there you know it's really been since 2017 where he had you know in his opinion he had his best season in 2017 Uh, of course by victories 2015 was probably better than 2017 but really you know, I, I think that he's in a great position. Uh, Royal St. George's for the Open Championship. I, I would put him as a, a top three player on on my board uh, right away for for that for that tournament. Tory Pines will be tough. You know, Muirfield Village this week. That's that's a tough course for him because it's really a place where it's uh, pretty thick, rough, narrow fairways. Uh, you know, he's not not always the most accurate driver of the golf ball. So, uh, you know, Tory Pines will also be a difficult uh, golf course for him, but. You know, he, he finished third at Bethpage in the 2019 PGA, and that was also a tough golf course. So he has it in him, uh, but I, I think he, uh, he he really is kind of trending in the right direction here. I think we're going to see a lot more of Jordan. And let's go ahead and transition into Mirfield Village, the memorial, as we talk with Sean Fairholm, Global Golf Post, GlobalGolfPost.com, Honda Classic Live's Golf Insider. I'm Ken Levicka here on ESPN 106.3. And uh, good opening round for Colin Morikawa, who is uh, – a bit on the come up here as of late performed well at the PGA Championship and he has certainly been able to uh, get himself into a position to at least compete after a few uh, really sort of, of, of down weeks here in the early part of the season but a 69 opening round for Ricky Fowler as well seems like he might be starting to pull out of that major funk that he's been in uh, this seems like it could be a really fascinating weekend at Muirfield. Yeah, a, a lot of really uh, top names up near the top of the leaderboard. How about Ricky Fowler uh, changing the prescription glasses, showing up to the PGA Championship yeah. with the prescription glasses on set? Prior to that, he could not really see in uh, some fading light situations like at, you know early in the morning and late at night. 
uh, couldn't really see past 150 yards. Uh, that that may be the change that he needed the the entire time. I was going to say, what if? I mean, Sean, what if the the key to him getting back to competitive ways is the fact he couldn't see? Like, what what in the world is happening if that's actually what this was the whole time? We've seen this in other sports too, where uh, you know eyesight is so important with you know goalies and hockey, and uh, there are all sorts of different examples. But uh, this would be really incredible, you know. The only top 10 he has since uh, January of 2020 is that PGA championship. And sometimes it just takes one little one little change. You don't realize what you've been dealing with for so long. So uh, I, I found it interesting also that he says he's, he's swinging more within himself. Uh, and, and in the past, he had swung kind of too hard to uh, for, for the glass to kind of stay put uh, on, on his nose. So he's kind of swinging more within himself. Uh, really cool story if that develops. So that's definitely one to watch. And, uh, and how about Patrick Cantley, a guy who had just been kind of totally MIA for the past few months. Uh, he won Memorial two years ago. He's back near the top of the leaderboard once again. Uh, definitely a guy who uh, is a, a top 10, top 15 talent in the world and has not really shown it recently. And he's, he's getting into some familiar territory here and, and, and could be you know, looking for his second Memorial victory. So uh, and also Xander Shoffley as well, uh, experimenting with the uh-huh. arm lock putter. There are, there are some very strange stories coming out of Ohio uh, this week, but it, it is shaping up to be a fantastic leaderboard. Per usual, you're in my head because I was about to ask you about Xander Shoffley, the arm lock grip. Uh, he has been very open about the fact that he thinks that should be banned, that shouldn't be allowed um, uh, f- from a putting standpoint he's a top 10 putter on tour and decided to give it a shot and uh, after yesterday's round says i know why this is so beneficial now and he's decided that he is going to use the arm lock grip here for the remainder of the tournament despite uh some around him advising him don't do it don't screw up your putting stroke um uh, and he says that it reinforces his uh, desire to speak out against this grip and reinforces his belief it should be banned, but he's still going to go with it. Uh, this is uh, a bit hypocritical on his part, but I suppose it's a if you can't beat him, join him type of approach here. Very interesting. Uh, I, I completely agree with him in the fact that this should not be allowed. Uh, this should absolutely 100% be banned. Uh, I'm a big believer that you know the the golf stroke whether it's a full swing or all the way down to putting you should not have any part of your body other than your hands uh, really interacting with with the club I, I think it is an unfair advantage for for a lot of these different uh, players uh, Bryson Webb Simpson Matt Kuchar the you know the long list of guys who who have uh, you know successfully implemented arm lock and uh, you know really helped out their careers very, I mean, you mentioned Xander is a very good putter. I, I, uh, this kind of surprises me. If there was a guy who, you know, takes Sergio, who I think is ranked uh, 196th in strokes game putting right now, uh, if take him, uh, I mean, that would make a lot more sense than uh, than a guy like Xander, who is a consistently a pretty good putter. So uh, it will be very interesting to see this. But there is no doubt it is a it is a quite a distinct uh, advantage. It really is a huge advantage to be able to use this if you know how to use it properly because it just stabilizes that base, uh, really kind of takes a lot of the nerves out. And I think eventually we are going to see a ban for this. I don't think it's going to be in the short term because uh, the the governing bodies right now are really focusing on distance and then focusing on technology trying to uh to, trying to rein that in but i think over the next five to ten years we're eventually going to see the uh, the arm lock come away 
Uh, I do want to ask you, since the odds are out, uh, the U.S. Open odds, we're a couple of weeks away from everything getting going at Torrey Pines, and uh, I'll give you these five names and their odds, and, and you just tell me who you feel most comfortable with right now, and this could be different next week, it could be different as we go in to the U.S. Open, but at 14-1, to 1, it's Brooks Kepka. 12 to 1 John Rahm, 14 to 1 Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, he of uh, missing the cut the first two majors of the year at 14 to 1 and Bryson DeChambeau at 16 to 1. Just based on how they're playing right now, uh, based on Tory Pines uh, and based on the pressure of a major championship, of those five names I mentioned, who do you right now like the most? You know, uh, I, I would probably say Bryson. Um, it's interesting, you know, John Rahm has really frustrated me in majors. Uh, he's, he's a guy who always seems like he's in the top ten, but he doesn't seem like he's really contending to win the golf tournament. I don't. I would probably stay away from him in terms of betting to win on him. Uh, you know, you look at Justin Thomas. I, he's also not really been playing that well in majors. We, we talked about how you know his top ten percentage uh, in majors is about fifteen percent, about uh, you know fifteen percent less than uh, the top ten percentage that he has in uh, in regular events. So I, I would say. You know, uh, Tory Pines could very much be kind of a wing wingfoot 2.0, where we're going to have you know long narrow fairways, uh, thick rough on each side, and we've talked about this a lot. You know, this really just favors the guys who hit it the farthest. Uh, everyone's going to miss fairways at Tory Pines, but the guy who is uh, coming into some of these greens with nine and eight iron is going to do a lot better than a guy coming in with, with three iron out of this rough. So uh, you just have to look at, uh, at Bryson and some of these other guys who, even if they're, they're not that accurate off the tee, they, they, could, be, uh, they could be kind of hitting it way down there and, uh, and doing the best they can from that point. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I don't think the winning score is going to be any, anything more than maybe seven, eight under par if, if, uh, if guys play really well. Um, but it's going to be kind of a uh, something pretty similar to Wingfoot, in my opinion. So I would... I would look at uh, Bryson. Brooks is kind of interesting. I, you know, he plays so well in, the, in these kind of kinds of setups, so you have to look at him. Uh, kind of a little concerning what he did on uh, what he did on Sunday at the PGA Championship, but I, I'd probably go Bryson Brooks right now one two. And uh, what it, what it, what a uh, cool thing would it, it would be if those two got paired up together, which which could be po- a possibility uh, being among the last three U.S. Open champions. So uh, that, that that'd be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And you almost feel like. Uh, you can't pass up on it at this point, and we'll have plenty to talk about Tory Pines here in uh, the next couple of weeks as we get in to the U.S. Open. Well, a lot going on this weekend. U.S. Women's Open, not to mention the Memorial at Muirfield, and a full breakdown of both. Well done, as always, by Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com, our golf insider, and for good reason. Sean, thank you so much. Great stuff again. All right, thanks for having me. When we come back, we'll give you a full rundown of the Memorial Leaderboard as we head into the weekend. I'm Ken Levin. The Memorial at Mirfield, that's where the PGA Tour is at this weekend, and we're about to give you a full rundown of still the second-round leaderboard here on Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. I am Ken Levicka. Thank you to Sean Fairholm of Global Golf Post and GlobalGolfPost.com for his comprehensive weekly look at golf as always. And don't forget to check out all his work at GlobalGolfPost.com. Edwin Watts. It's time to tee it up at Edwin Watts Golf Shops and these hot items for dads and grads featuring the Titleist TSI family of drivers. Faster in the air, lager off the tee and 
straight around the fairway and don't miss these hot gifts from Bushnell like the Tor V5 or the Tor V5 Shift with pin seeker technology or the Wingman with Bluetooth and Audible GPS for distance. Swing by Edwin Watts Golf Shops and get custom fit today. Edwin Watts Golf Shops, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee and shop them online at WorldwideGolfShops.com. That's Edwin Watts, WorldwideGolfShops.com. All right, time now to look at what is happening at Muirfield, and it has been a unique weekend because first there were weather concerns on Thursday, and with everything pushed back, darkness came into play yesterday, so we are not yet through round number two, but this is where we stand. Into his third round now is Patrick Cantlay, and he is tied for the lead with John Rahm at eight under par. Rahm who won it here a year ago at Muirfield. He is through 13 in his second round, even again with Cantley at 8-under atop the leaderboard. At 5-under par, there's Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, and Ricky Fowler, who is through 11 in his round number two. But Ricky Fowler starting to show some signs of life again, and he still has seven holes to play in his second round, and he is only three shots off the pace. Brendan Grace at 4-under, Tony Finar. Also at 400 par, Hideki Matsuyama, the Masters champion, also sits 4-under. Colin Marikawa, last year's PGA Championship winner, at 4-under par. At 3-under uh, par, make that 2-under uh, par, Adam Scott sits there right now, six shots off the pace. He had a collection of players at 2-under par. Charles Schwarzer, Charles Schwarzel, I should say, the... Uh, Treasure Coast resident, he is at 200 par. Justin Thomas out of Jupiter also at 200. I told you it was a whole collection of players there. Six shots off the lead. Also, Treasure Coast, Louis Oostasian at one under. That's where we find Jordan Spieth as well. And Bryson DeChambeau, Jason Duffner, Patrick Reed also sit at one under par. At even par, Jupiter's Rory McIlroy. That is eight shots off the lead. McIlroy is through to the weekend as we glance at other Palm Beach County and Treasure Coast residents in the Memorial leaderboard at Muirfield we'll head to the projected cut line which is two over par Sung JM will not make the weekend if that projected cut line stays put which it should he finishes at three over one shot behind the cut line KJ Choi he also Will not play into the weekend. He does not make the cut. Camilo Vijegas, the Florida Gator, he won't play the weekend, nor will Gary Woodland. He really struggled at Woodland unless he can make a huge push. He right now only has three holes to play, and he's got to make up three shots in those three holes if he wants to get into third-round play later today. Let's... Go through uh, the rest of the sub-cut line players here at Memorial. Padraig Harrington, 9 over. He is through 11 in his second round. Not going to matter. His weekend is going to be done. And uh, it was Bubba Watson, if you recall, that withdrew from this tournament earlier in the week. So, again, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm tied for the lead at the Memorial, though Rahm still has four holes to play. In his second round, Rahm and Cantley, though, at eight under par. Ricky Fowler, who is through 11 on his 
second round. He is at 500, just three shots off the lead. Something that's a little bit annoying from Muirfield uh, during the course of this week is Bryson DeChambeau. We know he's in this tiff with Brooks Kepka, this back and forth, this rivalry, this exchange of words. And there have been several members of the gallery at the Memorial who have just been sort of poking Bryson a bit, sort of having some fun with him, yelling, go Brooksy. Obviously, a reference to Brooks Kapka yelling, go Brooksy, at Bryson DeChambeau. Several accounts, though, from reporters on the course at Muirfield that when DeChambeau hears this, it is angering him. One, that's lame in and of itself. You can't sit there and talk trash to Brooks Kepka and get on his nerves and make it as public as possible and uh, then get angry when uh, some of Brooks Kepka's fans are sort of needling you a little bit. But Bryson is taking it a step further. Not only is he getting upset, visibly upset, anytime he hears a go Brooksy, he is having police officers at Muirfield locate who yelled it, and they are being escorted off the grounds. I'm sorry, Bryson, that's soft. For a guy who talks about how smart he is, for a guy who talks about mental fortitude and getting an edge, for him to be so sensitive and for him to be so soft, it is so unbecoming. This is the same Bryson DeChambeau who loves to take Instagram videos of himself lifting weights. And by the way, his form is god-awful. But lifting weights and pumping iron and showing off how strong he is. But it's clear that the strength is only physical because, man, he is a soft fragile ego if he is not only going to become affected by people yelling go brooksy at him but he's going to have them removed from the premises at muirfield that's gross and that is a terrible terrible look on bryson dechambeau and to be quite honest big picture that is not a good look on the pga tour and just for that and that alone I really hope the USGA puts Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka together Thursday, Friday at the U.S. Open. Just for this type of nonsense from DeChambeau, his punishment should be having to play with Brooks and facing the pro Brooks Kepka onslaught full on Thursday and Friday at the U.S. Open. Honda Classic Live here on ESPN 106.3. When we return, we'll wrap it up on this Saturday. It is a Muirfield Saturday. The Memorial with Patrick Cantlay and John Romba at the top of the leaderboard at 8 under par. I'm Ken Levicka back after this. Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. It's Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. We're going to wrap it up this week here on Honda Classic Live, a Memorial Weekend, and we'll have the full recap of uh, everything happening at Muirfield next Saturday here on Honda Classic Live, including a full look into the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Want to thank Sean Fairholm, Global Golf Post, globalgolfpost.com, and Joe Rigotti running things on this Saturday on the board. This is a guy who uh, produced our uh, Olympic baseball qualifier play-by-play last night, made his debut on Josh Cohen and the home team, doing a great job making sure that Ken Levick alive. My show weekdays at noon runs smoothly. A guy who is on the come up, a guy who does a lot of things, wears a lot of hats, and is absolutely killing it. So a big thanks again to Joe Rigotti. So for Joe and Sean Fairholm, I'm Ken Levicka. We'll be back next Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern time for the only golf show in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast, Honda Classic Live on ESPN 106.3. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody.